Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Claire Phillips. This is Pubs, Pints, People, the camera podcast. And with my co-hosts, Ant Fiorillo and Matt Bundy, we'd like to welcome you to episode five of this season. Today, our topic is real ale abroad, and we're hearing from fellow real ale enthusiasts from as far afield as Denmark and Argentina. We certainly are indeed. But before we get on to that, I think we do need to mark the fact that since the last episode, some of us can now go back into the pub, even if it's in the garden outside. The weather may have been a bit on the nippy side, but that certainly hasn't stopped folk across the country enjoying a couple of pints with our mates. How quickly did you actually get back to a, a, a pub garden, bearing in mind they opened on the on the 12th? Were you in there on, on the glorious 12th? Well, it was one of those I wanted to... Um, just check out the websites to see if I needed to pre-book. I did need to pre-book. Could I get one in the first week? Could I, yeah, because uh, I didn't actually get into a pub until just uh, just Wednesday, just gone. I wanted to get back immediately, but uh, not for want of trying. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I did. I went there on the Monday, managed to go to the Rising Sun, my favourite local, um, sitting by the canal. It was a bit awkward because we were a bit late arranging with our friends and we found out they were already having a drink with our neighbours. Oh. And so, but oh. luckily we were the extra two, but then we had our little one with us and I wasn't sure whether he counted. Yeah, I don't think they do in the six, do they? Um, well, I don't know. He had enough pints. But <laughs> <laughs> he never gets around in as well, my two-year-old. That's his problem. But then I booked in to go um, to Northern Canal. Uh, it was a Fuller's pub, um, but I did all the online ordering so we could sit down and have some food and things. And I quite liked ordering off an app. Mm. It kind of felt like I was I was in a, a technological future. So, you know, I've kind of seen both sides of it. I've tried the small pub. And, and had a London Pride in a big pub, so it's been nice. Oh, yeah, yeah no, I've, I've walked around to our, our local pub in the village uh, a couple of times, two or three times maybe, um, and then walked further along the river to another pub out in the, the countryside. And it was freezing when we went there one evening, but they were handing out hot water bottles, so oh. um, it, was, it was all well. And, and uh, yeah, hoping to get to a, a few more, though, because I feel that with them being open for a while now, only going to two is a bit of a poor show, really. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it was... It was bittersweet, as we just mentioned, not all of the pubs have reopened, and that's certainly the case in my immediate local area. Um, there, are, there are only a few of them that have reopened up. In fact, just two out of, out of six. So it's um, a sign of things to come, but yes, mm. we've got to get out and support them. 
Yeah, still some uh, locally to me that haven't reopened yet. And I, I guess they're waiting until they can open indoors because it's pretty cold. And, and yeah. if they haven't got the outdoor space, it's probably not worth it at the moment. Well, that and the competition, you know, they also they need to support each other as well, I suppose. And as much as the demand's there, it's it's it must be a real, real tricky one for them to make that decision. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, you know, the pubs I've been to so far, I mean, are doing an amazing job at following the rules. And obviously it's taken a real titanic effort, hasn't it, to sort yeah. out things like, you know, one-way systems to lose, online ordering for one of the ones I went to, you mm. know, all of the making the outside spaces as hospitable as well. I'd, I bet there isn't a marquee to be had in the uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, the way we're uh, <laughs> going, uh, setting all those out. And, and obviously lots of publicans have spent loads of time and money on COVID safe equipment. So I guess what I, what I would do is, that's what I did when I was there, is just give them a thank you for going through all the effort just so we could have a drink. Absolutely. You know, no one wants to see the return of a lockdown. So please, if you're listening, make sure you have a great time, but make sure you're following the rules. Yeah, don't forget your face mask if you're walking around and, and not sitting at your table. But since our last episode, Camera, along with CEBA, that's the Society of Independent Brewers, Caskmark and the BII, that's the British Institute of Innkeeping, have launched a new campaign. Cask is back, so back cask. The campaign calls on beer drinkers to back British brewing and pubs and opt for a pint of fresh cask beer from an independent brewery when they return to their locals, which is what I've been doing. Mm, that's a good cause, isn't it? Yeah, I made a conscious effort to do that too. So I'll tell you what, it's awful, though, isn't it, when you think it can bring you to tears that during lockdown, some five million pints of cask beer from small independent breweries had to be poured away absolutely horrendous that um and and obviously it's the brewers who've made it who are left to foot the bill those same breweries are, are now ramping production back up you know and have been ahead of pubs over reopening and are going full bore now and so by buying a cast beer you're not only supporting your local pub but you're helping out those small independent breweries who uh, kind of had a massive loss during this period so i think it's something that we all should do and you can learn more about that campaign and how you can take part on the camera website uh, and the link is available in the show notes it's vital that our pubs and clubs get as much support as possible isn't it over the coming weeks and months during this partial reopening Uh, So we hope that those of you who have been able to get back to the pub in the outdoor spaces have had safe, enjoyable visits. Do let us know what it's been like on the old Twitter feed. You know our handle by now, at Pubs Pints People. Send us your pickies, send us your tweets, and we'll do our best to get back to you on those. And for those who can't return to the pub just yet, fear not. Um, You can help the businesses unable to reopen. Don't think you can still support local pubs, brewers and cider makers by supporting any take-home beer and cider opportunities or even visit Pulling Together or Brew to You websites and learn more. Again, links in the show notes. Get involved, get supporting. And the launch of Cask is Back is fitting today because we're going to be hearing from two pub owners who are pioneering the real ale scene in their respective countries, which is Denmark and Argentina, where usually cask beer wouldn't be seen much behind the bar. Of course, we often think of real ale as a British institution, if not a British invention. But if we go back to the basics of what the real ale movement's trying to achieve, delivering a quality product brewed from traditional ingredients and matured by secondary fermentation in the container, that it's dispensed from, well, the actual style of beer becomes secondary. That's right. And in our first interview, we're going to hear about the only bar in Argentina where you can find cask beer. 
It's amazing, isn't it? And the, the correspondent uh, for this one is Harry Davis, talking to Alberto Yerabide. I hope I've pronounced your name right, um, Alberto, on there. I'm sorry if I haven't. Um, and he actually has the Notre Dame pub and brewery in Buenos Aires. So Alberto originally opened the pub 10 years ago, but he first fell in love with real ale four years ago on his honeymoon in London. And that inspired him to start to brew and to sell that style of beer in his bar. And now a real pioneer in the country. Wow. I think Absolutely. this is a fantastic story. So let's give it a listen. Hi, I'm from Argentina and I started with the real ale four years ago. We went to my wife to London uh, for honeymoon and he started uh, my love for the real ale. I think the drink real ale is, is the only way you, you drink fresh beer because it's only for three days. And I think the, the people here in Argentina something new. So come to my pub only for, for that, for drink real ale. We are the only pub in, in Argentina we do a cast ale. So do you think that you're going to be a trendsetter then? Do you think there's going to be more pubs in Argentina or even in kind of South America doing cask real ales? I don't know. I think they, it's very new here. I see every year it's more bigger because uh, people come to Luján. We are a small town near to Buenos Aires, but the people uh, like Beer Geek only come here for the real ale. I don't know if the market is so bigger in Argentina for more pubs for real ale. In a few years, maybe, but now I don't know. The problem here is the weather because now it's very hot here. The first uh, problem with the real ale here uh, was the temperature uh, because the people yeah. love very cold beer. So the first time we do it, cast ale, uh, the people say, wow, and say, why the temperature and why the the real a that way what's the wider culture like with beer then i'm guessing people are drinking lager we have the pub like 10 years ago and this moment the people only drink lager very cold and now with the craft revolution the people meet another beers like apa or scottish or any style of beer but before that only drink cold beer and lager beer and you think that Cascale in particular, warm beers, do you think it's going to keep as a niche with you or more people are going to catch on? I think uh, Notre Dame, the first place with Cascale in, in Argentina, in Latin America. But I hope the, it's much bigger every year. And, and we have a, a lot of lover the, the real ale here. And they know uh, too many people never go to the UK. So this is the great opportunity to drink cask ale out of the uh, UK. And you would say then that the, the main focus is still on craft beers, not the, the warm variety? Yeah, 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 yes. We work here with the small breweries and they don't know how to make cask ale. So uh. I go into the brewery and tell them how we do it yeah, because they don't know anything of real ale. So I go to the brewery, I take the cask and tell them how we do the, the cask because here in Argentina, they never do it cask eight. I can understand it can be a hard sell to get people on board, to make people drink beer that is warmer than they used to, but it sounds like you're succeeding. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, we do uh, two festivals. The first three years ago, only two casks and for uh, two days. 
uh, we don't sell every cask ale, but uh, the last year we do it again, and with six casks, we have 2,000 people come, and we sell all the beer. It was a great success, and we're very happy for that, but it's the first time in Argentina we sell six casks of real ale in one night. It was a madness. <laughs> What's your establishment like then? What's the aesthetic like? It have you modelled the real ale pub, or have you gone for something more modern? Uh, no, it's like a pub. I'm Basque. I think our pub is a mix of English pub and the Basque tavern. I love the the culture of the Basque country. I'm very Basque, so I have the mix. And now we are the first pub in Argentina. We have lambic beers for mm. Belgium. I think the Lambic and the Real A is, is very similar. Uh, it's part of the history of the beer, and I love it. I, I think it's, it's very similar, uh, the story for the Lambic and the, the Real A. We mentioned before that you've worked directly with camera. What kind of things have you done with camera? Uh, we are uh, very thankful for the camera because they want to support for the festivals. And we go into the Nerats in Boston and take the, the course of the Sellerman. Very important for me. We are only two sellermen in Argentina, Andres Cores and me. It's very important, the, the role for the sellermen in, in the pub for a, a good real life. Every time you speak with the camera, I always have the, the support and help me a lot. Here we have that cycle where the winter mm-hmm. beers come, you start to see stouts, and then in the summer the golden ales will come up again in the spring. If you don't have these icy winters... Do you still see people liking different beers at different time of the year, or how is it different? The last weekend, we have the Chucas Ale, one American number ale, and you know, the stout. And here it's very hot. The people drink stout with hot weather, and I love it. I think when the people can understand the real ale, the temperature, and why the, the carbonation, I love it. I think I drink it. Stout or we heavy or Scottish Imperial Stout in summer, and I, and I drink a, a golden ale in winter. It's telling when you go into a, a pub or a bar, and you can tell that the people behind the bar, you know, the beer is not on their mind. And it sounds like if I was being served by you, you'd be able to tell me everything about every beer on tap. It's the same. It's like you say. We are behind the bar for 10 years. I meet a lot of people and a lot of friends. I travel around the world. Thank you, my pub. I go to Europe. I go to USA. I go to Brazil. Only for the people that I know in, in my pub. And they tell me, come to my home and only for the beer. I think it's mm. very lovely what we can do with the pub. Do you think it's all over South America then? We're going to see kind of a boom with real ale craft beer? Uh, I think, uh, yeah. I think maybe in a few years when you go in more bigger, a friend in Uruguay, they, they are very interested and in make a festival there. But this year with the pandemic, it's very difficult. But right. I think uh, Uruguay, Chile, I don't know Brazil because the weather very hot there. But uh, Uruguay, Chile, maybe it's kind of the second country to make a real ale. I have to speak to a lot of people there, and they are very interested. As you know, I'm sure there's a battle over here when you talk about real ale. There is the vibe that it's an older person's drink. And I think mm-hmm. you're very lucky if you're seeing not just the trendy craft beers, but also young people drinking cask beer. 
Uh, I think in Cloudwater or Brewdog, uh, we do it cast sale last year. And I think it's good for the, the market uh, because the young people know it. And then we go to a good cask egg like Fuller's or, or May. I think the difference with the UK here is the the people drink a real ale is young. I think in pub in, in UK, I think old people. But here is more the, the young people. Uh, and we love it. And I think there is a new market with a new thing. And I understand why I let the people come to my pub to because travel to UK and say, ah, it's the same beer I drink in UK. You go into the brewery locally and then you give them a helping hand with cask beer. Do you have local hops as well for the beer? Yes, uh, we have uh, in Patagonia, we have a lot of hops. They are good. They are not very good, but they are good. In my home here in Buenos Aires, we have a farm for hops. Start this year in, in August. So for finally of summer, we have here in Luján a hop for my farm. And we're going to make a beer for my hops for real ale. Yeah, I think it's going to be a golden. But the cask we make here is from hops of uh, Argentina. And oh, we have a lot of uh, hops for USA. But here uh, we have a hops named uh, Mapuche. It's the most famous. And it's, it's good. It's not very, very good, but it's good. It's lucky you seem to have the entire chain kind of sorted out and ready there. There's some real pubs that are opening in Europe and they kind of just ship the beer <laughs> from London. They don't have this same kind of local ecosystem being built. I think the local market here, we see only the USA craft revolution and forget the, the drinkability of the beer. And I think the WAPA... New England Pale uh, I think it's, it's, it's some boring beers. It's only drink, hop, hop, hop. It's, yeah. I, I love the bitter. I love the drinkability of the beer, not only hops. Uh, but I think it's, it's global. I wonder, when you're talking about the heat and the type of beer that you can get, if you wanted to brew with lactose and kind of milk products, I'm wondering how does that work if you want to kind of use milk sugars in your beer? There is the same. There is a fashion for the lactose. I think we make a, a cask ale for a pale stout with lactose, but it's not good experience because many hard to make it to go out. <laughs> uh, I think for the lactose uh, is the the cows, but here is not too common the lactose. Yeah, I think more in, in Europe and USA. Uh, in Argentina, not very common. Uh, I think about the cost. The cost of the beer is very expensive. Maybe it's too hipster. You need <laughs> the real hipsters to roll in to get the, the lact and the sour beers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the sour beer here, yes. Uh, I have the Berliner Weiss and mixed fermentation. Uh, but it's not so good. I think uh, the market here is not uh, prepared to that. But the lambic and the goose uh, grow up the, the market. But the problem with that beer is the cost. <laughs> it's very expensive here. Mm. One Trifontaine or Cantillon is very expensive here. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're doing uh, a great job, Alberto. It's the opportunity to the people the young con- never travel to UK to drink a part of history, a part of culture of, of the UK. Is the pub, is the real A, and I love it to to do it here. And the people they they know 
what is the the real ale? I think it's very cultural and uh, the, the pub and the and the cask ale in UK. And so do it here is is a pleasure for me and, and I love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, pleasure to to talk with you. Thank you for your moment for the interview. Uh, you think uh, you talk with the little boy. That is an amazing story. I mean, I know the interview focused a lot on the challenge of selling warm beer in a hot climate, but I checked out the temperature range in Buenos Aires, and of course, it's June to August, uh, the winter months there, so temperatures seem to range from about 8 Celsius to 16 Celsius. So it's not exactly freezing, but fingers crossed that Alberta will get some help from the colder weather to sell that cascale. Yeah, I get the feeling that being the only bar in the country that's selling cask, there's definitely a novelty aspect. And let's hope the beer drinkers of Argentina realise the value of the quality product and demand continues to grow. So good luck with your next festival, Alberto. Oh, absolutely. If I was there, I'd be tangoing straight to the cask. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds amazing. Um, Now, it's interesting to think, isn't it, about the relationship between beer styles that we think of being British and those that we think of being international. For example, I mean, it's ironic, isn't it, that one of the most popular styles of real ale in Britain today, you know, the IPA, the stuff that we drink now that we call IPA is so different from the classic yeah. multi-IPA of Victorian Britain. And that's because it's been transformed by the American craft ale movement. So now it is hop to go isn't it? You know, a real yeah. celebration of hoppy goodness, not the, not the multi-beer uh, that it was in the past. And even like sour beers, you know, really gaining a lot of popularity here in the UK. Usually imported styles, you know, from Belgium or Germany or the US. And so I think it's a really healthy thing for us to share our beer styles internationally and to learn from other countries about different flavours and innovation. I think it's probably one of the things I put at the top of my list as to why I drink this stuff. And that's because it celebrates all the different styles and types and things that you can have. You're not just restricted to something fizzy and amber coloured and really cold. And that's probably why I drink it more than anything. Now, talking about what tastes good, it's time for We're Only Here for the Beer. We thought it'd be interesting to talk about pubs with international names today, um, given that we're discussing real ale's popularity abroad. I can think of a couple of pubs that fit the bill in terms of name, like, you know, a yield trip to Jerusalem in Nottingham or the Bon Accord in Glasgow. Do, do they count? I'm not sure, really. It's not a place as such, is it, the Bonacore? But I suppose it's sort of French-sounding. So, yeah, <laughs> I've got a French-sounding one for my one, so we'll let them in. Cool. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm going, I'm going to make a bit of a confession this week, gang. As much as I've got the good beer guide with me, just a little a little sound back there. I bit. love that sound. Like, like, <laughs> I love that. Um, the pub I'm going to choose isn't in there, and that's not because it's not worthy of being in there. It's because it's not in the UK. It's actually over in Paris. So, a very quick little story. Um, in the last Euro competition, my friends and I were privileged just to go over and watch England play, the national international team play. And while we were there, we all agreed on doing one thing each that we all wanted to do. So, my friend's a massive photographer. He wanted to go up to one of the really tall buildings and take panoramic pictures of, of Paris. Uh, another one wanted to go and visit the fan parks where all the football fans were. And I wanted to go and find the one solitary Taskmark pub on my app that happened to 
to be in Paris, um, and it's called the Bombardier. It was an absolute trek away where where walking was concerned. We probably did about twenty five thousand steps just walking to it. But oh my goodness, the reward that waited for us on the other side was wonderful. And more importantly, I got to scan the certificate behind the bar, got a lovely picture with the landlord. And uh, yeah, so that's my here for the beer. I've been there before. If I'm ever back in Paris, which I hope to be in the very not too distant future, I'll be giving that another visit. Well, I've picked for my choice for We're Only Here for the Beer um, for this edition, the Eep Castle Inn. Eep, of course, would have been called Wipers by the um, the, the English and British soldiers uh, during the war. Eep Castle is in Rye. It's a lovely pub. Um, it's right up on a hill. Set, it's actually just below Rye Castle Museum itself. And you can look out across views across the marshes. Um, there's a lovely outside drinking area. There's... Uh, couple of bar areas um, where, you know, they've got real fires. Every time I've been there, it's always been really friendly. Uh, There's beers. I think there's one brewed especially for it, actually, by the Rother Valley Brewery called the Eep Castle Bitter. Um, And they have real cider from Nightingales, who we talked about in the last episode of the podcast, of course. If you're ever in Rye, I mean, there are some absolutely smashing pubs in that part of the world, but do try and pop into the Eep Castle because... You won't regret it. Sounds fantastic. Now, I have gone for a London pub. I was looking for some of the, um, the, the famous ones that are kind of associated with, with drinkers from, from a particular country. I was looking at those, but I was struck by the name of one uh, that linked to something we talked about last week. It's called the Antwerp Arms. And I don't know whether we talked about it in too much detail last week, but it's actually um, a community collective pub as well. So I get double your money. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's Tottenham's longest established working pub been around since 1822 and apparently it was facing demolition in 2013 and it was saved by camera campaigners and the local community and now is very successful so that sounded like a uh, full house for that for that fantastic sounding pub oh yeah yeah, definitely one to add to the list. We, we should move on to our second interview now, and this is Chris Portsmore, who's talking to Ian Russell. Ian owns the Wharf Pub in Allberg and Charlie's Bar in Copenhagen. They were the first two pubs outside the UK to receive cask mark accreditation, which I'm sure you'll agree is quite a feat. So today I'm speaking with Nick Baker and Ian. Ian is the owner and Nick is a regular and they're in the Wolf Hub in Ulrog in Denmark. Apparently they say they're in the old smoking room. Can you tell us about yourselves? So 18 years ago, we opened this workshop to Carscale in the old industrial city of Orbor in the north of Denmark and the north of Europe. Denmark is divided into the mainland, which is called Jutland. So it's the far north of Europe, the end of the mainland, before you get to Scandinavia proper. And Orbo is situated right at the top. So there's the Baltic to the east of us and the North Sea to the west of us. If you go a bit further on, then you hit a piece of the North Sea, you will hit Norway and Sweden. Oh, right. And then my other pub, which is, if you blink, you miss it, but Mm. nevertheless is extremely popular, is in Copenhagen. So the distance between the two pubs is around about 350 miles. If this was also a visual broadcast, Mm. you would see the ceilings of this pub, which literally has... 
hundreds of pump clips and the car scales that we have had on over the last 18 years. One, Nick has counted them. 1,500 different car scales. <laughs> well, as long as I still have breath in my body, it will continue. So are you the only two places in Denmark that's currently serving car scales? My mission for the last 20 years has been to put car scale on the map, certainly on the map of Scandinavia. And I think we have succeeded in doing that. I import between 800 and 1,000 firkins a year. So what made you think, I want to run a car scale pub in Denmark? I've been a member of Camera for years, since the early 80s. Not particularly active, because my work at the time took me overseas. But I was always committed to real beer drinking. In fact, I was brought up to believe that car scale was the zenith of beer brewing. And how old am I now? I'm 67 now. My father introduced me to it. His favourite car scale was Courage Directors. Oh, nice directors, yeah. In the old days, when it was the original strength, for knowing you could go back to my grandfather and so on. Oh, fantastic. Of course, they had lived through the so-called keg revolution of that time. Yeah, yeah. Which they had been fiercely against. Obviously, no one could pull the wall over their eyes. (laughs) So why don't you think the car scale is as popular outside the UK as it seems to be here? For one simple reason. You need proper pubs and skilled staff to sell it in and service it and service the customers with it. Right. If there is not that link between brewery and pub and there's only a commercial consideration, you're hardly in the best environment to drink car scale. No, definitely. So is there any cask brews in Denmark? Well, it's none in Europe, effectively. So it's all coming really from the UK? The UK is the last bastion of cask-scale drinking, yes. Obviously, there's some revival of it in America, but we are very far away from America. And ideally, because of the nature of car scale, it should be drunk locally. Oh, definitely. But that is not to say that it cannot be drunk outside the locality. Of course, in its heyday, cask beer was exported all over the world. Of course, yeah. So all this nonsense that the uh, brewing industry tried to brainwash us with, that car scale wouldn't travel and so on and so on, of course, is a load of baloney. <laughs> yeah, of course. So what are the challenges that the pub has when it comes to importing car scale? Up until now, of course, we're in a post-Brexit situation and and because we have been locked down for almost a year i don't know how what the problems will be we will get to that when we're able to trade again but up until now of course we have been in a common market so really we have not been importing our scale we have just been transporting our beer from british brewery from good car scale breweries in one part of the european market to another part of the european market Therefore, it was very easy. 
say I would make an order from Tibby Taylor's in Yorkshire, I would receive that order roughly a week afterwards. Well, that's very fast. I think that's faster than some of the... Exactly. Here. Do you think there will be issues when we come back out? Well, if there is, then we either have to open a Carscale brewery here and do it ourselves, or we have to find solutions. And, of course... Well, there's a will, there's a way. I mean, I am determined to continue the revolution that I'd started 20 years ago. Me and my team have created over these years two oases in Europe for the drinking of car scale. Right. Is it quite a following then, sort of in Denmark? An enormous yeah. following. Really? You see and remember, that? once you get a taste for real beer... You can't really go back. It is very difficult to go back to fizzy liquid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think that it's going to have a future then outside of the UK? I think potentially it has a huge future. I hope, because every cloud has a silver lining, I th- hope that when we begin to open up again and people start to come out and socialise again. And I mean, a pub is the best environment, in my opinion, for adult socialising, that people will be more aware of what they're eating and what they're drinking. And therefore, Carscale will have even a greater demand than it has before COVID. Mm. Is there COVID in Denmark? I mean, well, not as bad as it is in the UK because we closed down very, very quickly. We're also a much smaller country. It's a population of roughly five and a half million with an extremely efficient health service. So, I mean, in terms of the COVID effect in Denmark, have you been able to trade as off sales, as it were? We've had some in the UK that pubs have been able to sell their car scales, etc., in milk containers. But are you able to do that in Denmark? No, not really. It's not financially feasible, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. That's such a shame. Yeah. What are the breweries that serve you? Is it the national ones that we're aware of, or is there smaller ones as well that serve you? Sadly, since Bullers was taken over by Hasahi, they have refused to export cars, so we won't be able to get cars from Bullers any longer. That's a shame. Great shame, because uh, I have been bringing in cars from Fullers for about 19 years. Yes, yes, that's a long time to be using something. Same with Green King. As well, they won't export any longer. Oh, so who are you looking to bring in? Well, I mean, I've, I've named some names. Harvey's of Lewis, great favourite. Timothy Taylor's, Adnams, Black Sheep. There's quite a few of the, the bigger brands then that, uh, that we're aware of over here then. And smaller ones, for instance, Crouch Vale of Essex. I mean, they were champion beer of Britain twice in a row. Back in the early 2000s, it's Brewer's Gold. All right. And how do you find them? Do you just go on to car scales of the UK or? Often due to visiting brewers from Copenhagen. So they come in and say to you, we've got these casks. Are you interested to? Often they they find Charlie's because it is a landmark. It is an oasis. They come in, they see the six hand pumps on the bar. Right. Now, just as a parenthesis, I'll say that Charlie's is somewhat different to the wharf. The wharf is quite unique and in many respects very, very steampunk. Or I would say a cross between steampunk and something that the great Fred Dibner would have built. (laughs) 
Excellent. Which is one of the reasons I built it in Orbor, because Orbor is the old industrial shipbuilding city of Denmark. It's a kind of cross between Newcastle and Bolton, where Dibner came from. But to go back, so brewers would come into Charlie's, they would sample the casts from those six hand pumps, and they would really be impressed with the quality. And I would say, great, let's do it. And because we were part of a common market, it was very, very easy to do it. And let's hope it still will remain so, if any politicians are listening. Now, due to the success of Charlie's, I had to open another pub. And that was the wharf. But I wanted to open the wharf as a workshop to beer, particularly car scale. So in a backstreet engineering shop in Copenhagen, we built two rather large cast cooler dispensers, which would dispense car scales, gravity poured, in their own cellar cooling system directly behind the bar. So that people wouldn't have to ask whether it was cask. They could see that it was cask. And we could begin to educate our customers about what real ale was all about, as opposed to keg. I did do a little bit of research for Denmark, and it says that it's Akkavet. It's a typical drink, apparently. I mean, what is it? It's schnapps. Yeah, I mean, it's normally drunk as a an accompaniment to food, particularly herring, roll mops, to really um, dilute the greasiness of the herring. Is it something that you'll sell alongside your car scales? No, because it's not really the, the national drink any longer. So what um, is the national drink? Beer. Is beer. The most popular alcoholic beverage is beer. Oh, right. In one more term, lager or? We have Carlsberg and... and yeah, German-style Pilsner, yeah. Uh-huh. And you say that uh, you more concentrate on beer, not on the food. We've yeah, got- we don't concentrate on food at all. Right. Leo, our food consists of crisps and peanuts. Excellent. Our food comes in a liquid form. <laughs> i.e. beer it really does certainly you sound my kind of place <laughs> that's brilliant thank you very very much i tell you what i'd love to see that pub ceiling that yeah. sounds amazing doesn't it you know 1500 pump clips yeah. <laughs> pub near us has got a fair few on its ceiling but i don't think they can match that <laughs> i think i'd be counting those out i'd be taking pictures next to my favorites from that i bet it probably looks a lot better than artex to tell you that <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> that's a novelty i'd quite like to decorate my house with pump clips like that maybe that's one to discuss with my wife later just swing around like a gibbon from room to room <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible wouldn't it we've got new floors down don't worry not a problem but i'd say it'd be interesting to see the impact of different new trade restrictions post-brexit really came to the fore there you know talking about the difficulties importing 800 to a thousand firkins a year so many different breweries and and that the extra time that's going to take in the added paperwork um was real really sad how that would be such an issue i thought I know of a, a, a beer shop, Belgian beer shop in this country that is having horrendous problems since Brexit, uh, importing the beers that he wants to sell. So I, I, I can easily imagine it's a, it's a problem going the other way as well. Oh, well, hopefully that'll all be sorted out soon. And, you know, it's quite funny because earlier we were talking about 
learning from other people. And I thought the idea of being able to see the casks but still deliver the beer at the right temperature was a stroke of genius. Because um, usually they're hidden away in the cellar, right? So I just thought it'd be like going to a big beer festival where all the casks are on display all the time. And he's got a great point that once you've had a taste for cask ale, it's very hard to go back to a gassy, freezing lager, and particularly um, in this one where he's got Crouchvale Brewers Gold, twice a champion beer of Britain on, and, you know, why would you want to drink lager after that? I have to say it's one of my favourites. So fingers crossed that Ian's impact continues to go from strength to strength as it has over the past 20 years. Now it is time for our little jaunt to the archives, and this particular article... Uh, that is from that year again, 1978, no. uh, edition of What's Brewing. Um, this particular article, it, it's actually quite ironic when we're talking about the theme of this uh, podcast, because the article talks about the idea of setting up a North American branch of camera. Who would have thought of, uh, of uh, such a thing? To, <laughs> camera. To help, yeah, to, to help out our poor cousins across the ocean. Uh, escape from the horror of cold, gassy lager. I guess just like Ian's doing for the Danes, so fighting <laughs> a good fight. Uh, and and in the article, we see, I love this, it's, we see America described as a land of opportunity because it was believed there were only two real ale breweries on the whole of the North American continent. Can you imagine that now? Well, I don't know how many there are now, but we've I love it. thousands Fantastic. of miles to find this place. Yeah, you get there, and I was like, there's no real breweries at all. <laughs> yeah, Hang on a minute. <laughs> you know, the amount of times I've been in a pub crowd going, yeah, I'm going to go and get, go to this one out of the way. And then you get in there and they go, oh, sorry, it's all just gone off. And you're like, what? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this right now, and they're saying the first task on the to-do list would be bugging Labatt Breweries of British Columbia to bring their franchise version of Guinness up to scratch because it lacked body. I mean, they're talking about bugging, mm-hmm. bugging somewhere. It's hilarious to think somebody would muck about with a Guinness recipe to that degree. Mm. Um, and also, you know, it also aims to encourage home brewing and buy shares in the breweries so they can ask embarrassing questions about their chemical waters. I mean... I mean <laughs> what a fun. Step one, buy shares. Step two... Yes. Ask questions about chemical waters. I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's none of it's conspicuous at all. You know what I mean? And um, and then they were going to organise imports of bottled real ale from Europe and set up their own brew pub. I mean, talk about scandalous, fantastic stuff. And they were they were holding their meetings in somebody's house, which I thought was a bit of a shame. You know, you'd have thought they could at least have found a bar or somewhere to to hold their meetings. But um, but perhaps they just got some bottled beer that they brought over from you know, their travels or whatever, to, to hold it at somebody's house. But obviously we, we all know since the 1970s the interest in craft beer in the USA and Canada and cask ale to a lesser extent has absolutely exploded. Right. And as we were saying earlier, the style of real IPAs that are so popular here now are all derived from American recipes and are totally different from the historical IPA that originated in Britain. Definitely. And I tell you what, guys, I've actually got a pub quiz question. Ooh. Are you ready mm. for this? Yes. Go uh, on. Which US president was responsible for the tectonic shift in American beer drinking when had that made the craft beer scene explode? Who was it? Not a clue. Ooh. No, I don't I don't know. I'm guessing it probably wasn't Ronald Reagan. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> that, got... That'd be something. That would be very so. It was Jimmy Carter because he legalized home brewing, 
and that snowballed into the craft ale wow. movement that's obviously been so successful. There we are, little fact. Like it. All. Mm. Um, now, of course, Camera has teamed up in the past with the Brewers Association, the not-for-profit trade association who are representing small and independent American craft brewers. Um, and they represent the growth of this movement brilliantly. Um, they've got over 5,000 US brewery members. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? Exactly. And it's great to read about the idea behind a North American camera branch and see camera activity outside of the UK. I mean, it's like beer sans frontier. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> camera has over 800 members registered outside of the UK, 31 in Canada, 200 in the USA. So if you have any relatives over in North America with a birthday coming up, perhaps you can buy them a camera membership. More the merrier all across the world, I say. Now, the main thing to remember, and we, we talk about it a lot on the podcast, is that there are just so many styles of beer. And what we've heard from both our interviews today is that there's such a wonderful variety to beer and it's types all over the globe and it's celebrated in so many different ways and drinking so many different ways. And I think if you're interested in different beer styles, don't forget there's loads of resources on beer inside of history and production in the Learn and Discovery section on the camera website. And talking of different beer styles, I'm hoping that in our last orders, before it is time for that, uh, we're going to have some outrageous varieties of beer from across the world. What have you two got that you've been enjoying this week? I've been as far as Norfolk with my beer choice, if if that's exotic enough. Uh, <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> uh, normally I, I've been talking about the, the, the dark beers, but uh, not this week. Um, I'm mentioning Woodford's Brewery. I mean, many people will, of course, know Woodford's for Woodford's Wherry. It's won countless awards. Um, but actually, I've been drinking this week at, at a local pub, Pure Gold. It's available in cask and in bottle. It's uh, 4.3% and it's a, a classic sort of aromatic golden ale. Um, it's one of my favourites from Woodford's. I, I, I do, of course, like Wherry, but I think Pure Gold just has the edge for me. And, and interestingly, actually, I was uh, looking on the Woodford's website when they began in the 1980s, in their very early days, their brewery building was damaged by a fire and they had to temporarily move to have their beers brewed by Maldon's in Sudbury and Maldon's beers are, are just in the, the pub around the corner to me so I've been drinking them as well but Pure Gold is my last order's choice for this episode. Yummy scrummy. Well for me as I alluded to earlier I finally managed to get to the pub on Wednesday just gone and it was quite a late visit so it was certainly was a chilly one. Um, I was with one of my dad friends, as I call it, because we're all part of that from the antenatal back in the day. And uh, he said, should we should we see if there's a table available midweek? He said, well, it'll have to be after the kids have gone to bed. So it was quite late, half past eight in the evening. We finally got to the pub and were shown our little table outside. And it was there that I was served from Charlie Wells, triple hopped. Now, as the name suggests, it was golden. It was very hoppy. But above all, it was superbly refreshing. And uh, and we had just a couple of those. We really nursed them, had some great conversation. And it, gosh, it felt good to be back in the beer garden, yeah, even if I was shivering. It's ages since I've had a, a pint of, of something from Charlie Wells. And, uh, yeah, you've made me quite envious now. Yeah, it was really, really good stuff. And uh, and there was some there were some other choices on, but um, we had to sort of pace ourselves because we'd driven there. So, obviously, uh, we didn't want <laughs> to go above and beyond what we were entitled to. So it was just the one. We nursed it and really enjoyed it. What about you, Matt? 
Well, I, I've gone close to home in terms of where the beer is made. So Tempest Brewing com, uh, Company, uh, in Bristol, I believe, uh, they are based. But the flavour is very exotic. It is a chai cutter, a chai milk stout. Oh, wow. So mm. a little bit different to the, to the usual one. And obviously only in a can, I'm sorry. But you know, there is, uh, it was absolutely incredible. Really complex, some spices coming through. You could really kind of get a sense of... Uh, of of the chai in there and it was just a really interesting uh drink one to enjoy on its own just to save your flavors really <laughs> yeah nice. no that's that's another one for the list for me i think yeah I'm, i must say I'm, I'm not a huge fan of chai so i'd be approaching with caution but you say it was good stuff i'll have to give it a whirl and with that we'll ding the bell it's all we've got time for today folks we do hope you've enjoyed listening to our podcast pubs pints people remember we're at twitter at pubs pints people give us a shout let us know if you've been to the pub recently and i'll remind you now that next time we're going to be hearing all about small brewers relief in our next episode so until then enjoy yourselves stay safe and take care cheers cheers Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer52 by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people. That's the numbers 52 in the 52 and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free. So that's 10 unique craft beers. Beer52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Durges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. 
There's also beer from Croatia, Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5and2.com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now. <laughs> 